Hello, Chris here from Old Dirty Brastards. If you're a big fan of this podcast, you can support it through the ACAST support feature. You can give as little or as much as you like, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the description to support now. Thank you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to episode number 11, the last in this current series of podcasts from Old Dirty Brastards, where we will be talking about American Boy, our final single release of 2020. Here, producing as always, the award-winning producer, it is Sebastian Philpot. Hi, Seb. How are you? <laughs> hey, I'm great, thanks. Good. Are you going to do this every time now, the award-winning sure. producer thing? Why not? I think It's good. It does sound good, <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, mate. Yeah, mate. I'll, be, I'll probably that, give up but... when we move into the next format. Unless another award pops up, then, you know. I'm they were awards that I made up myself. <laughs> that in itself is quite impressive, isn't it? So Yeah, I think so. You know, you've got to give give you a big old pat on the back for that. Yeah. Thanks a lot. It's good. You in a cupboard? Is that an office? No, it's a, it's a full-size room. Crikey. You know what? I think you'd, you'd probably bill this as a double room if you're in the station, <laughs> but... To be honest, it'd be a tight squeeze. It'd be, it wouldn't be a a, a king size bed. Oh it'd right, a, okay, just a normal, a small double. Small double. It looks more like there's a photograph of a large room on the back wall of your cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Actually, it's um, it's quite good. Nice little study. Very nice. I've fashioned into a little podcast studio. Lovely stuff. Well, as, yeah. as all award-winning podcasters need. <laughs> that's, that's what you need. Um, hello, Richard Turner. How are you? I'm good, thanks, mate. Yeah, you're okay. Yeah, all fine. Thank you very much. Yes. I'm uh, enjoying life with all of my clothes at the back of a storage unit and I go teaching in your trousers twice a week. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten I lent you trousers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're very comfortable. Yeah. Do you still have the tweed jacket as well? You'd go in the tweed. Obviously, not now because schools are in blooming, blooming lockdown, aren't they? But, uh, it's all changed, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. you wear yeah. your tweed and some blue trousers. That's it, yeah. Yeah, that's all I've got. Yeah. <laughs> Life, life all right, Rich? Yeah, it's all good. It's all good, yeah. Uh, cool, yeah. cool. It's interesting for everyone right now, isn't it? And Absolutely. It continues to change. But no, can't <sighs> complain really. Good, 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 good. Hello, Barney. Good morning. How are you? You're right. Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks. Happy 2021. Yeah. Well, I've year, probably mate. already said that to you in the last podcast, haven't I? So. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. shit, we've revealed. Oh, no, we're doing it out of order again. Ridiculous. <laughs> no matter how much we brief ourselves, there's a fake order to it. <laughs> you haven't got the brain capacity. Oh, no. We'll keep it in, though. Keep that in. That's fine. That's yeah. fine. No one's uh, perfect, are they? Yeah, people um, love being immediately confused on a podcast. It's, <laughs> it's like, what, what are we doing again? Ah, oh, where are we? Yeah. But you, you're coming to us as a ranger and producer today, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Ooh, lots, lots to talk about from you then. That's nice. Too much responsibility. Stuff. Are you in the booth? Are you in the booth? I'm in the booth. 
Yeah. Has it got new white padding in there? Uh, uh, well, it's not new. It's just what I always had up there. Oh, um, oh I should have paid attention. I've been in there for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, hello, Richard Evans. How are you? Hello. Happy, Happy new, new year. year. Oh, oh. Happy new year. Yeah. And to you. You all right? Yeah, I'm great. Thanks. Yeah. Did you have a good Christmas? I had, yeah, a lovely Christmas. Not what yeah. I was expecting. Well, was not just... that I wasn't expecting to have a lovely one, but uh, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it wasn't what was planned, but uh, yeah, it was great. Yeah. Uh, was it just you and Dell? It was, yeah. Aww. Just in the flat. Nice. And the cats, of course, but yeah. And of course the cats, of course the cats. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, it's good. Sometimes it's just nice to be given the excuse. I know, like, it is lovely to see family like over Christmas and go to one family or the other and see everyone. But sometimes it's just nice to have that little excuse to just have a Christmas on your own for once. Like, yeah, just to be well, like, oh, let's I mean, try it and see what it's like. Yeah, I agree. I just, it would have been nice had the previous nine months not been exactly the same as <laughs> those, uh, that week over Christmas as well. Just the two of us in the flat, you know. Absolutely. What, uh, what, but yeah, what, no, it was great. What vegetarian option did you have for Christmas dinner? Uh, we did a Stilton, Cavallo Nero and Walnut Wellington. Mm. And it was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was amazing. Nice. I've always thought about that thing if you ever like do a Christmas away from families, that it'd be quite fun because you you do it with friends, but we couldn't even do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like you care what you wish for. Right. Shall we crack on? So last of our 2020 singles, American Boy by Estelle. And written by a whole host of other people as well. There's a big old list. Um, <laughs> one of which is a guy called Keith Harris, which is <laughs> which Do you is want nice. me to find the list, Chris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where is it? Kanye yeah, West, isn't there? And then there's, yeah, the lovely Keith Harris at the end. Okay. Uh, you got Estelle. Yeah. Will I Am. Yeah, big name. John Legend. Cool. Kanye West. Whew. I've heard of all of them. Yeah. Okay, uh, Josh Lopez. Oh. Uh, that's, brother? that's not the one from Frozen fame, is it? Oh, I don't know. No. no. Uh, Robert. Caleb Spear. Oh. And Kate Harris. Kate <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, he's going mean, to make money somehow. Quite a list. That's like um, American style, like writer's room. Well, that's how Kanye writes, isn't it? Is it? With I many, mean, many, many people. How do they... What Lots do, of puppets in the room. Do they yeah. take a little bit each or... Well, if, uh, listening to that um, Paul McCartney talking to Buxton podcast, and he talked about, well, like, oh, yeah, I worked with Kanye, and uh, I didn't know if I'd actually done anything in the end. And then I asked him, and basically, I think they'd like, what do they do? They like, they like kept two of his notes and then flipped them upside down and put it into a different octave. And they went, yeah, it's on there. Thanks for helping <laughs> us write that song. And he's like, oh, so I've worked with Kanye. Here's your writer's credit. Here's your royalties. I don't know. I don't know who sort of spearheaded this writing, whether it was Estelle or Kanye, but Kanye certainly like seems to just use these people as like a springboard and then and then other people take it in other directions and mm. until it's unrecognizable, but it's something very different and successful. I know, <laughs> I know sometimes you get like your 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 bottom liners, don't you? The people that do all the sort of underlaying bits and bobs and then some people that come and do the tuny bits over the top. Right, people that sort of work in teams. Like, I think a lot of Rihanna's stuff is done with her doing, helping out with the top liney bits, and then she's got other people. And then you just get like an umbrella company over the top, sort of. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, songwriting teams is this, this, uh, yeah, quite a, quite an interesting thing. Um, yeah, 
maybe some, some, something that one of you guys could branch out to one day to make some mega bucks. I don't know. Be nice, wouldn't so, it? Yeah, big time. <laughs> Um, but yes, so how did this one come around then, Barney? You are the arranger. Uh, what what yeah. happened there? How did well, we get this one in the we pad? were doing, uh, were we doing Brassioke? No, what were we doing? We were. We, we were, were doing Brasso. <laughs> Why don't you explain, Chris? Well, I remember. <laughs> I'm going to let you chat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But I, I'm, do I'm, it for you, Barney. I'm, 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 there's too much chat from me on this one. I've... I've <laughs> It's, All right, shall I set the scene? Yeah, I'll yeah. set the scene. So we were doing the first, our first ever Brassioki um, through the Colombo group at XOYO. Was that our first gig at XOYO? Was, was there an Arctic Monkeys one before? Oh, we might, yeah, we might have Debut album. sneaked in for Potential. one of those. Yeah, and then they wanted to do Brassioki, a Naughty's Brassioki, which was, was originally sort of flagged up as an R&B and hip-hop one. And I think they changed their mind, so we ended up doing a Naughties one. And uh, obviously this being written in 2007 very much falls into that category. And uh, we divvied up all the... We made a, you know, make a list of all the tracks that should go on it, okay it with them, and then we sort of let people vote for which ones they want to do. And then off they go. The ones that get them, you go and do your arrangement for this one. And so the Brassioki obviously is, is pr- pretty much what you can all be imagining this, is it's like us playing the tracks, and then there's words that flash up behind us, usually in time with what we're doing. Um, <laughs> it's all to a click track, looks on a click track, so yeah, hopefully it does all come out nicely. But yeah, so that was like our first Brassioki one we did. Yeah, and so Barney, you did this one. Did you enjoy yeah. it? Well, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I've always loved this tune. I just remember it coming out, and I used to do the Estelle part on the karaoke jets. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> and um, my friend TJ would do Kanye's rap uh, we'd be in like RCM Royal College of Music um, uh, Student Union uh, doing karaoke with this I, I just thought it was a great song so then when it came about to arrange it that was the one that I wanted to first dibs basically and nice. uh, lucky enough no one else cared enough about it so I, <laughs> I got it and yeah. I just really liked it so that, that was that was great initially to then like do that arrangement but then I've kind of gone, I just feel like I've gone, I'm going to skip ahead slightly now because I've, I've produced it as well. Mm. And I just feel like I've gone blind with it. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, like, I don't know. I think it's good, but I don't know because I've lived with it for longer than any of you because I was living with it yeah. on while during my arranging period and before yeah. I even brought it to you and everything like that. And it's, it's, it's definitely good because there's been times when, uh, well, certainly at the moment we don't, we haven't played live for so long and, and so then every now and then you come, we come back to a gig and we've, you know, we've been lucky enough to have a couple of gigs this year where like this has been in the set and obviously so much time has passed that you come to it with fresh ears. And I always turn to you in the set, Chris, don't I go, <laughs> this, we have to record this one. Like, <laughs> this is great. I was like, leave me alone. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> Count my bars rest. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I think that it, it wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't thinking this must be recorded when I arranged it. It wasn't like that. And it's, it's sort of, it wasn't like that even when it was amongst the, the 18 other tunes or whatever we did in, in um, Brassioki. I mean, you kindly keep putting it into set lists and stuff. So we do keep getting a run out of it. And it's that space between playing it and coming back to it that I'm sort of reminded that it's mm. just, it's just great. It's just got a great vibe. Rick does a great groove with it. Like people play really virtuosic, cool stuff on it 
And and it's those moments when we haven't played it for a while that, that I'm in the last sort of half a year or a year where I've just been like, yeah, I really, I really want us to, to record this one. It was probably in a queue, but we've done all the better ones now <laughs> earlier in the year. So <laughs> I'd say it probably, it probably was about 10th in the list, but <laughs> it just snuck in there. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, I really enjoyed playing it. So, I mean, you know, we, you know, you had to have a first date and we went with a nice eclectic mix of stuff. And then I think when we, you know, when we found a bit more dosh to record some more, it was great to get these, these two that we've done in because they really vary, vary the, you know, vary the the flow of what we've got. And I really enjoyed playing it. And it's, you know, I don't, it's just nice little, for my, my parts perspective, I've got nice little accompaniment parts that I really like playing, like quite sort of stabby and, and nice. And then there's like little bits that I get to play with Seb when we get the little tune. And then, yeah, and there's, there's like that bit after the, where you do a trauma bit and then we join in at the end. Yeah. And it's just, it's just, yeah. it just, it's one of those ones that just sort of falls, it falls off the wrist as they say. Yeah. Um, I, I try and, I try and get, well, this is just my first arrangement that we've recorded uh, in yeah. this, in this album. And yeah. that's been nice for me to, to kind of, uh, certainly approach production in that way that I haven't got to kind of second guess someone else's opinion or anything like it's like it is purely mine in terms of like approach but yeah without arranging I do, yeah obviously as a lot most of us do always try and give a really great share to everyone in the band so that no one's just plowing around the same thing over and over again and you know even Dickie Evans on tuba there will find tunes where like that isn't all you're doing and it's only on Things like Hideaway, which is dance track, like, you know, you're not going to be given the tune at any point. <laughs> like, you've definitely got your role there. But in, in other things, you you know, you have moments where you're like, you aren't just on the baseline. So I think everyone's quite good at doing that in this group of like sharing it out nicely and make, because we've got to play these arrangements for years, hopefully. So we don't want to get crossed. bored of them. Fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah. Is it a good tuba part, Dickie? It's a great tuba part, yeah. I mean, it is, as Barney uh, said, like, it's fairly repetitive, but it's uh, it's really fun to play. Yeah. It's quite nimble and jumps around all over the place. And uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's a very satisfying uh, chord sequence to to move through as well. Yeah, I, I love those, um, I mean, in any tunes, like even hearing it on a bass guitar, like things that move in octave sequences. Body, 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 body. Like, I love all that mm. stuff. And so... And you, I mean, you do it. It's like a, it's a bit like a tuba study, isn't it? But like, you just fly through it. It's great. Yeah, no, it, I've, I don't know how how long it was since we did it for the first time, but it's, yeah, still always enjoy playing it as well. It's just it's just got a great vibe. Yeah, you start well, banging on the recording, Dickie. Yeah, you absolutely do. I mean, we we gifted. I can't really take credit for that. We're gifted with a brilliant bass line in the original, so you know, it's like it's already you know already makes it a fun thing to play. But that show is a funny one as well because obviously like doing noughties was it yeah it's noughties r&b wasn't it and i don't think i mean i don't really i don't really know what r&b is and i don't think it was if you're a purist of r&b it probably skirted only a little bit close to like purist r&b i think it was all quite poppy really you could probably just repackage it and say it's noughties pop some people yeah. weren't happy with that, were they? <laughs> not happy. Is it Twitter? <laughs> someone, Twitter yeah, or... someone messaged and said Message it was, Instagram it was a, bit, a bit rubbish and named a few tracks that we hadn't even put in the show. We were like, oh, well, that's irrelevant. Right. You can't say that, yeah, that's like that's like angry Twitter. Like, yeah, what, exactly. what about Syria? I was just talking about schools. Like, hang on. But like, toxic was the big was the the big one that was being complained about, which is totally fair enough. 
Yeah. Do, would you like to hear a fact about Toxic? Go on then. Yes. You might know this. I found this out on Twitter this week. Was it on that thread? Yeah. Yeah. We talked about this thread uh, on the Christmas one. Oh, did you? Did you mention this fact? No. Uh, okay. Please do. So, so um, Kathy Dennis wrote this about her then uh, recently ex-lover, the super vet. <laughs> What's what super his real vet? name? The super vet. He's on telly. Oh, God. Neil, Nigel. Okay, if, <laughs> it doesn't work if you don't know who the super vet is. <laughs> I don't know who the super vet is. So. Basically, that's a bit like me saying she wrote it about Eamon Holmes. You know, oh, it's right. that kind of telly level. Oh, wow. Okay. Was it Eamon Holmes? <laughs> <laughs> was it was Eamon Holmes. This is about, Eamon, Toxic's about Eamon Holmes. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> cool. I can't remember the bloke's name. Oh, all right. Okay. N- N- Neil Fitzpatrick. That's his, that name, his name, I think. Oh, right. Yeah. Anyway, Neil Fitzpatrick's a little bit like, uh, I'm going to say someone else now. <laughs> It's a little... like Dr. Hillary, but for, for yeah. cows. Yeah, he's that... Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. So so there's this fella on British TV who's just like British. He's, you know, he's not a film star or anything major like that. And uh, that's who Britney Spears sings about. <laughs> uh, it's about a vet. Amazing. So she's yeah. about some guy she's probably never heard of. Yeah, but I mean, that's the same. Most people singing Kathy Dennis's songs are just well, singing it, about yeah. vets. Yeah. What are the other big Kathy Dennis ones? Uh, lots of Katy Perry. Yeah. Uh, Firework, I think. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Hang but... on. Right, let's fact check all these things. He's called Noel Fitzpatrick. <laughs> <laughs> He's an Irish veterinary surgeon yeah. based in Eshing, Surrey. Eshing? Not far from here. Isn't it Eshing? Oh. Hmm, maybe. E-A-S-H-I-N-G. Oh, oh to get an Escher. Eshing, Surrey is a hamlet 1.5 miles <laughs> southeast of Shackleford on the River Way. <laughs> Which is where Kathy point... Dennis has a houseboat. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to defend Kathy Dennis's honour, all right, hang on. 1.5 miles from. Yeah. So let, let's find Kathy Dennis in his. Ah, um... oh, he was on the Chris Evans Breakfast Show, Steve Wright in the Afternoon. The Bionic Vet. Nothing about Kathy Dennis yet. But let's look up Kathy Dennis. Yeah, just Google Kathy Dennis and the vet. Kathy Dennis songs I'm going to do. Well, there's a long list. S Club 7, Reach, Never Had a Dream Come True. Can't get you out of my head. Can't get the vet out of my head. <laughs> what was that about? <laughs> oh, wow. Um, Sugar Babes, about you now. <laughs> about it's about it's about a baby sheep. Do you think? Hey, hey! I kissed a girl. Wow, Katy Perry. She must be so rich. <laughs> well, or or not? I don't know. Streams. She she played at, um, Mighty Hoopla last time. Yeah, it was on. That's yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. We yeah, went yeah. to watch yeah. her. But she's good though. She's a great singer and performer. Yeah, that's cool. She obviously worked out a way. Well, some sort of deal where she's still allowed to perform all those tunes well, it's all money in her pocket isn't it as well which is nice yeah so that's pretty cool um yeah what a list what a list of tracks it's just, this, this episode isn't about toxic no or kathy dennis i think that's so this show basically that show like it's quite a hard show because it's this sort of <laughs> i don't know a lot of the tracks we we, we were playing there's a lot of notes compared to some others some other more like lyrical, more lyrical type shows. This one was, there's a sort of more, 
it just seems to, there was a lot of notes to play in that show. That's all I seem to remember with things like um, Flight of the Bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> what's the Destiny's Child one like? Survivor. 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 Loads had, of notes. Yeah, and we had the Craig David one, didn't we? Seven Days. Yeah, that was there, and there was just lots of ones that were quite talky and rappy, and yeah, but it was it was good, it was great, but yeah, it was just that one was quite a difficult show. Um, so, but this one sort of stood out as one that was like very, it's just one of the more poppier, perhaps poppier ones, but quite upbeat. Did you find that it was like hard work that show because there's a lot of, as you say, lots of notes, but also melodically and as tunes, they're pretty basic. Yeah, there's actually there's not a lot to they're quite simple chord sequences because mm. they're mostly wrapped over. Mm. There's not really much to it. So yeah, it wasn't a lot, a lot the most of, exciting um, stuff to play. A lot of them lack development through the tune as well. It's like, yeah. it really is just like the the sort of icing sugar on top, which is the busyness and, uh, or the business. And um, and it's underneath is, yeah, you're right. It's just sampled, re- repetitive stuff. Yeah, and it works for the original stuff because it's all about the production and the, the kind of atmosphere created by the, the vocals what other any other sounds that you know people like Timberlake or not Timberlake Timberland that those kind of producers that Kanye West as well often with with what we, what we do you put it into brass and then you go oh it works so well immediately on brass just because it's a bit different but I think with this genre it kind of exposes it as being oh, it's a bit boring and simple actually it's quite well, a lot of purely production led as opposed to musically. Led. Yeah, it's less musically fulfilling. Mm. New arranging solutions had to be found. Um, yeah. I found it a bit difficult with Senorita because they're obviously very repetitive and uh, but strange enough, the chords were quite thick. So it's just like, oh, I'm going to have to take some of the notes out here because it just sounds weird. You know, somehow with what they've done with the production, there's some notes were very much like in the background and that works. But on the brass, it was just like... Oh, it's just like a kind of cluster card that doesn't really work. Mm. Yeah, that one, because there's lots of like ninths and sevenths and things in those chords, aren't there? Sort of Latin kind of riff. And so if you put all those notes in brass, it's too thick. And then there's not enough people to go around to actually play the tune or do the other stuff. Yeah. Maybe need to revisit that one. <laughs> I mean, it's a good arrangement, mate. I really enjoyed it. But trying to get that bit to get them to all do the... Oh, yeah. <laughs> then, it was like the first time we did it, some guy, Daisy just dragged some guy up on stage out of the audience just as that bit was about to happen. It's like, right, well, I don't know what we do now. We just... Your, your health and safety rad- radar went off to Nick Chris. Daisy was... Um, a lady that came and uh, compared the night. She did, yeah. To explain to the listener. Yes, whose dad and wrote EastEnders. Sorry, did I jump in there, Seb? No. Not <laughs> EastEnders, just, the I whole knew. thing. He wrote the theme tune to EastEnders. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you could see Chris bouncing with excitement to reveal that her dad wrote the plot of Who Shot Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Phil's been shot. Oh, God. <laughs> Um, but there was a program on like, near Christmas time about EastEnders. Yeah, um, <laughs> they're back. Um, there, was, there was a program about um, TV theme tunes or something like that. He must have made it. Yeah. On. He must have been on there. So I'm sure it's probably on iPlayer if you could if hunt it out. Um, What's his name? Don't know. Let's look it up. Reggie Cray. <laughs> Oh yeah, Daisy Crazy. EastEnders. <laughs> theme tune. 
Okay. Um, Simon May. Oh. Daisy May. Daisy May? That's she may not. Yeah. We don't know. It's uh, written in the key of E flat major. Oh, that's a nice key. Percussion instrument, strings and piano. Oh, lovely. Now, um, let's uh, let's see what else he wrote and who he wrote it about. Super Vet theme tune? Oh, my God. Wouldn't that be nuts? Collaborated with Kathy Dennis. He wrote El Dorado. Oh, wow. Mm. Is that it? Pet Rescue. Uh, Pretty close. (laughs) 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 If he wrote Super Vet, I would implode and log off this... This is <laughs> Your food light will probably turn up on its own accord. <laughs> Super vet theme tune. Let's see. I want tent hooks. No, it was David Arnold did Super Vet. Oh, Fair play. right, nice. Fair play. Nice. Malcolm's son. Fair play. Fair play. What? Um, is it? No. <laughs> no, sorry. I don't know who David Arnold is. But it's, it's in- oh, yeah, you do. Oh, I mean- he wrote the theme tune the, the theme tune to Independence Day. He wrote the music for Independence did Day. He? Amazing. James Bond. Oh, he right. loads of stuff. He did the theme tune to Sherlock. Um, you can hear a really great episode of him as, as a guest on the Horn Section podcast, actually. Oh, yeah. He's, he's really nice. good at that. Because he, unlike a lot of their guests, like he, he knows exactly what's going on musically in the band. So he can, rather than be like, can you make it a bit funky? He'll be like, he'll like name a tempo, <laughs> name yeah. a chord sequence. And yeah. they'll get really into it. And the, and the band will just pick it up and it will just be immediately amazing. He did the opening ceremony of the Olympics as well. Did he? Or the closing ceremony. Steward. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we covered this in, uh, in the uh, previous episode, actually, the uh, opening ceremony of the Olympics. Right, okay. Didn't we? We did, we yes. We covered everything. Yeah. We got it all out of the way, didn't Is we? Is there I can't talk about? <laughs> yeah, I've done that. Um, uh, we didn't do vets before, so that was good. <laughs> Get that Good, heavy chat this week. <laughs> but I was going to say about these tunes in the Brassioki, like it, you wouldn't be able to guess going into uh, that process what would come out as a mainstayer. I don't think, but it, it's weird what does come out. And like, I wouldn't have necessarily mm, yeah. thought, uh, I can't remember what the other one I did was, but I feel like I might have thought that one might have lasted more than American Boy or whatever. But mm. so it's weird that we've come out with American Boy, but. Um, it just seemed to have a big old. There was just a lot of bounce to it, which is, I think, quite, it, quite it's, needed. It's, it, yeah, it's about groove. How much the band on stage enjoy playing it, and, and what you get back from the crowd. And, and I think it had all those three things. Which um, yeah, just sometimes things have groove, and the band enjoy playing it, but the crowd are, are facing the other wall. <laughs> <laughs> they hated so, it. Yeah, we, we're having a brilliant time, but they hate it. Um, they hate it. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. So, like I say. Like I just have gone a bit blind with it though. Like the difference between this and and uh, you know like producing Hideaway mm. is that's only existed in my like sort. Of, oh, he's drilling. <laughs> uh, sorry, that's uh, my mother-in-law doing the hoovering. But oh. <laughs> <A> loud handheld hoover. <laughs> I know it's. I, I can't really say stop. Can I? No, it's not really. Uh, <laughs> It's my um, place. Make sure doesn't hoover up your baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, the the previous four tracks I did, it was uh, was it a couple of yours, Seb? Three of yours, Seb. Yeah, yeah, three of yours and one of Kai's. Yeah, and and then hide away with Steve Asses, and so you're kind of checking in with people, checking they like they're liking decisions you're making, and then but also getting their their input and their ideas, whatever. But with this 
yeah, with American Boy, it was like I was just on my own. And there's the benefits to that are there's no delay in my decisions. They are my decisions. And and so it comes together fairly quickly without many kind of bumps in the road. Like you're not kind of waiting for replies on texts of like, do you mind if I <laughs> do this mm. or whatever? But yeah, at the same time, like I massively believe in collaboration. Like I think I think 99% of the time things only benefit from collaboration. Uh, the more things that are suggested, you take the cream of those ideas and you get the best stuff. And that works. I think that works in this band. And I think that works uh, in like other bands of work with whatever, you know, I, I, like, so, so I, I did miss, yeah, missed it a little bit, but at the same time I got things done quicker, but I just, yeah, I just went, I just don't know. I just don't know if it's, if it's good. <laughs> it is, it is good. Barney. It's definitely very good. I like it, Barney. Yeah. It's very good. Hmm. Oh, so we, we were chatting like the other day, the other podcast we did yesterday, and um, like we just got a talk, we got talking about how like a lot of records, like back in the day when there was loads of money for doing this sort of stuff, you know, you'd record it and the producer would put all their ideas in to record it, but then they'd get someone else to mix it, someone else to master it. Yeah. Obviously, we're not in, we don't have that luxury um, yeah. with what we're doing. Would you, I mean, would you, if we did have that luxury, how, you know, how would you feel about doing that? Or would you like to personally, mix it and master it yourself or would you like you know give someone give it to someone else who's got a different pair of ears and go right can you mix that and then i'll just check in and make sure it's all sort of how i like it yeah uh no to- yeah totally i think it's I, it i think it um it's a good idea at a certain point in the process definitely like so that mm. you want to get it as get everything cleaned up so you've got all the right takes from everyone and everything like that and it's and it's sitting clean and then i guess you can I don't really know how, how you do it. Maybe you'd sort of save one version that's at that point and there's nothing on it. And then you save another version, which has like your, your initial or your ideas, like the, the things you want to do, whether it's like um, even just in a general way, you, you sort of add a bit of uh, sort of EQ automation or, or mm. panning things like that. And then you send both, you go, right, this is what I sort of think the direction is well. I want to go with it and here's it untouched take what you want out of that and put it in the untouched one or yeah i, I mean hello hoover um and <laughs> sorry <laughs> and um as i say i i really firmly believe collaboration is like a positive thing only i think only good things can come out of it really yeah. you end up making more stuff more quickly and that's that can be said for us as a band as well um checking your ego at the door mm. like um we all have to do this with our arrangements in the band it can't just be about you. Like you have to, like the best scenario is the track comes out the best it can be. Mm. If you're saying, no, I don't want someone else to touch it, but that person could actually maybe even make it better. Then you're just holding the song back. And it's a, I think it's a constant battle. Uh, Personally, to be like brutally honest, like it, it feels more natural to me to want, to want to, so I've I've done this or whatever, but so I'm constantly telling myself to check my ego at the door. Like it's not like it, it's like I have to fight against that because I don't want to be like a arrogant asshole. <laughs> so so it's I'm way better now than I was say like five years ago or something. Like uh, I, but that comes with the more you do stuff, the more the the more le- like you're you're not putting all your eggs in one basket because you're like a like your output becomes like um, uh, like a bigger list of stuff. 
So you're like, well, yeah, uh, you know, like, that's cool as well. And you do, we'll collaborate. And I'm not really saying this very well, but. No, you are, you are. Uh, I think it's quite an important thing to say about old day bastards because let's face it, you know, it's a, it's a bunch of bloody blokes <laughs> who, you know, stereotypically, let's just say we've got egos or whatever. But as the years have gone on, I think we've refined the way that we collaborate and talk to each other and you know, it just gets more and more positive and it's kind of one of those uh, sort of skills that people talk about in the corporate world and things, isn't it? And people often look to musicians and the, the world of art on how to collaborate. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's really rare for someone to just, I mean, from start to finish, like come up with an idea and execute an idea all on their own without talking to anyone. Yeah, it's I, difficult. I think it's even That's the difficult. people you think have done that, they probably haven't. They've, you know, probably someone yeah. who's not credited along the way. And Yeah, even like the, the you know, the, the world of fine artists, you think, okay, so yeah. um, right, Lucian Freud has done this painting and it's just got his name on it. But then, you know, if you read around that time in art, there's a school of London artists and they're all, Mm. they're all having a drink together, chatting about it all and probably feeding off each other that way. And then going back to their studios and having things sort of present in the mind that, you know, the other artist was talking about. Yeah. Massively. Mm. Yeah. I was listening to John Hopkins talking about when he'll, he'll be writing something for, ages and decide to to play it to someone he, he'd have been writing on his own uh, and then sat down played it to someone on some speakers and then as soon as it's playing he's like that that bit's too long i need to, I need to cut that oh, that's really self-indulgent that bit <laughs> uh, and just the act of doing it with someone it, like you're suddenly watch, uh, watching or listening with new ears so that that can be incredibly helpful already uh, you, you just edit edit like that just even if if that's the bare minimum just playing it to someone and then even without their input they wouldn't even have to say anything yeah. you sort of know yeah oh, you, you're, you're i can cut four minutes out of this yeah your, your senses become heightened as to like yeah uh, what is embarrassing and what isn't <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and another thing as well is like um i've experienced this really recently with some of my own compositions i've been trying to do at home and i'd spent pretty much August, September, October doing stuff. And then I just, I hadn't touched it for like six, seven weeks now. And I came back to it really recently and it was like fresh ears and I could immediately tell what was definitely objectively good and what was objectively bad with fresh ears. And also letting go of the things I thought were important before, like production choices and stuff, just starting these things again, starting these songs again and realise what were, what things were staying and what things weren't staying out of my just kind of unconscious decisions. and then. You, I think you're left with like a more, a stronger thing. And you, it's that thing of killing your babies. You've got to do that sometimes, but that, that can take time. And I feel like to understand what things should go and what should, what should sort of stay. And I feel like I had that with those first four tracks I did in the year because I was sort of less experienced. I took longer to do things. It meant that like, I, I did live with them for ages with these, these songs that I was mixing and stuff. And so things became apparent to me over time that weren't apparent in the first week. Whereas these ones, because I'm I had limited time and I am quicker now. I basically got did everything. I did the whole uh, two tracks just in one week. 
And the benefit of that is um, that it's kind of like spontaneous and and these big decisions were made and, and spur of the moment. And that is that is correct for how I felt at the time. And I suppose you could say the 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 negative part of that would be that I might think of a really good idea in a month from now and that I haven't put in it. But I just that's that's the the, the constant battle with, with creative output, isn't it? Of like, do you sit on things for a while and wait till they get good, but then do they become uh out of date for you? Do they become irrelevant mm. and not not part of your sort of like um relevant output? Or do you just get things done quickly and be more prolific? And I think we're probably more going down that route of just like, just, just get stuff out there and, <laughs> and be, be prolific and things are right at the time. Yeah. Do you think that makes it, uh, gives it a bit more of a raw, raw yeah. feel to it? Makes it a bit more, yeah, a bit rougher. Ex- yeah. Like, uh, and yeah, I came up with some ideas in the latter part of those early four tracks because I sat with them for six weeks. Yeah. But I also got very tired of them. Mm-hmm. And I got tired of sitting there in week five, week six. Like, how am I still not done? I'm rubbish yeah. at this. <laughs> Where, like, whereas it was, it was so much more enjoyable. This one, yeah. just being like, I don't know. I just organised myself way better. Like, after every single person left the booth, I I comped it down, and I I'm, I found their best takes, and I, I had everything fitting with the person that was there before, and it was all aligning. So then, when it, the last person left, um which was Dave Hopkin putting his solos on. Um, everything, everything was in time and in place. 99% of it, you know, there's the mm. odd tweak you make, but it was, it was there. And so then Dave was in and then my mix could just start immediately. And I didn't have that with those for earlier four tracks. And that's just like kind of me working out my process a bit better, like how I want to do it and um, being a bit more organised. Yeah, and yeah. it's only going to get more refined, isn't it, as you go on? Yeah, it's only going to get. But it, better, it was it better. was really pleasurable to be quicker. With yeah, it. I bet I enjoyed yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. I did enjoy that. Yeah, a little bit smug with yourself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, just just like it shouldn't take over your life because no. if you want to do this sort of thing at any point for some sort of living or whatever, it's in your interest. You know, time is money, so mm. it is in your interest to be a bit quicker <laughs> with it. Um, and the, the, the client as well doesn't want to wait forever. So you can't just be slow and rubbish. Yeah, exactly. I think that's definitely something which is coming more obvious, particularly to me as well. As we go a bit older and you get other things going on in your life, like families or whatever. Oh, yeah. Whatever, whatever the way you, you do. guys juggle stuff, right? I don't yeah, know what, how you do Yeah, whatever, you, whatever you're doing, you know, managerial stuff or whatever, or arranging, producing... It's just like, right, well, I have to be able to do this quite quickly now and really effectively. So, uh, you know, pretty Mm. glad that Dropbox exists. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's all in there. For instance. (laughs) Yeah, actually, probably earlier in the year, the the six-week thing of me doing those four tracks in six weeks was probably because we didn't actually really give ourselves a deadline. No. No, a deadline helps. Yeah, so we're just like, when they're ready, we'll... uh... Yeah. We always wanted to do a release unboxing. Well, we wanted to get these out in 2020. So all 10 tracks were 2020. Yeah. I don't know. It seems, I don't think we're going to call an album 2020 because it's immediately out of date. (laughs) And also also not known to be the greatest year ever. No, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to call this album the hell on earth. (laughs) And, but it was just nice to get those done. And like little, it was good for me to have a deadline and it was, it was, they're, they're nice days to like give a little present to the internet, aren't they? 
Mm. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. especially this year, because there's probably a lot of people just sitting around yeah. not doing too much on Boxing Day or New Year's yeah. Eve because it was just weird. Should have all That's just it. been at home That's it. doing nothing. So people having little New Year's Eve uh, living room discos and stuff. Yeah. That's it. Um yeah. but so, I think as well, like anyone who is a, is a kind of follower of brass is probably weren't expecting a couple more tracks actually. No, yeah. So nice. yeah. Suddenly there was this little gift. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dickie Evs. Hello. Still here. Hello. Hello. Good. Glad to, glad to see you're still here. Um, it's obviously like, I don't know if we've talked about this and other things, but like you must be, uh, once the drums are done, you must be the first person in after like, that's all been done, right? Yeah, you pretty much. The first yeah. One that, yeah. So, I mean, how does that feel for you when you sort of like, you're just popping in and you have to play it all to like MIDI files the, or whatever. The weird MIDI instruments. I think because me and Rick kind of latch together so much on a gig that as long as I can hear Rick loud and clear, that's what I'm focusing on more than anything else. Sometimes I, like, I listen back to other ones that we've done. And it's like hear little sections of it and go, it's like, oh yeah, you're not really quite sitting in the groove that would normally, um, I just I feel like I'm a bit late or not quite where the rest of the band is. But yeah, on the whole, I think it's just, yeah, latching into trying to, remember what it's like to play it live as well which is obviously getting harder and harder as it's longer and longer ago but uh yeah i'm always amazed at how rick can capture so much of the the energy when he's got literally nothing he's just sat hitting his pots and pans okay it is amazing i think it proves that um we're irrelevant in his head but He creates his own vibe and we're along for the ride yeah. and he didn't even notice He pops his in ears in and is just listening to something else. A oh, couple of podcasts. I love MIDI, me. He gets more off MIDI than he does for us. I think it definitely proves that without an amazing drummer in a band, you've got nothing because you've got to work from the sort of bottom up, so to speak. Yeah. What do you reckon? I mean, I And he, so he loves it as well. Being at those drum sessions with him, he's keen to like do it and do these full takes and he's just always got a big smile on his face. He's always keen to do better as well. Like he, he does about three takes, <laughs> but like he's always keen to like, you know, I, know, I can do better than that. I can do better than that. <laughs> yeah. He's, it's, it's he's in his really element, nice. isn't he? Yeah, he's in his element. In that he, little studio. And, he's and he like, does, he does bring a vibe, even though it's just him, which is amazing. Yeah. But yeah, like you say, Dickie, like you, you then latching in with him, like that's a, that's the way it should be. Like you can just concentrate on each other being completely together and tight. I think the thing that's slightly different doing it like that than normal is like often you kind of push the tempo a little bit if it's getting more exciting and yeah, just having to try and mm. stick with a click obviously because mm. you can't do it any other way when we're all recording yeah. it yeah. separately like we have to at the moment. But um, yeah, it's maybe the first take through, I'll just be really focused on just trying to play the dots and not split any notes yeah. and then listen to it back and go, oh God, that's terrible. <laughs> It's rubbish. Let's do it, Let's do it also, again immediately. The interesting thing that happened with both you and Rick in particular was that we made a decision before going into the recording process with American Boy that we were going to up the tempo by about 8, eight um, BPM. And so that's not how your muscle memory knows it. So you, like both you kind of initially just kept being caught out by the click being different. And so... Rick would like have to catch up with himself and then so he's like no, 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 I'll, I'll do better than that so then the second take is is there but the first was like a shock and I think you had a little bit of that as well of like 
being like, why is, he, why is he going so fast? It's like, that's how we do it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is how it is now. I think it definitely sounds better for just being a little bit more upbeat as well. Well, yeah, the other thing with that is that we put the cut back in. <laughs> so it's like we go, well, if we're going to make the song longer, let's make it quicker again. Yeah. So on yeah. balance, it's about the same length. Yeah, lose something here, add in something there. I mean, would it, I mean, it would be interesting if, I don't know how it would work, but if we did a tuba and drum session, don't know, having you in the same room together, maybe that would up, up put it's even more vibe totally in it, doable, know. yeah, totally. Yeah. Put you on the Totally, roof. I think, yeah. That, written, you know, there's space know. at James's to do that. Oh, that's a really interesting idea, Chris, yeah. I guess it's just about the bleed, isn't it? If you get any bleed or whatnot, I don't know. But it'd just be interesting to see how you two would then feed off each other, like... Because you, 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 yeah. you say it's you two at the back, just sort of, you know... Yeah, well, I've, I think I mentioned this on thing. other ones that I'd, often we, uh, we don't chat that much about what we're going to do. It's just... I, you just listen to each other and uh, kind of follow on from what each other do more me following Rick than him uh, following me. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he follows no, you. No. <laughs> no, it's a two-way thing. It's definitely not. <laughs> Different sides of the Pennines, right? That's, uh... <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that, that'll be interesting. Definitely. Yeah. Could 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 work. I don't know. I think it's, it's um, particularly helpful on certain kinds of tunes more than others. And mm. there'll be something that comes along that's ideal for that. I yeah. Think. Yeah different setup in, for different in terms meetings. of like the order of of things actually like dicky is it's definitely great to have dicky next and there were a couple of occasions i think on previous tracks we've done where i wasn't able to have you next your tube was making a buzz one day and you ended up putting you on later yeah and all that sort of thing it didn't really create too many problems but um is is definitely great to just have you in there immediately this time but there's definitely an order to things that i appreciated this time more I think yeah trombones got to go next like we had Dave Hopkin in like immediately after you Dickie and I basically had to send him away because um, loads of his stuff was solos like improvisation and stuff and he couldn't vibe off of eight midi lines it's hard for a trumpet to stay in tune, I think, because uh, with to, to just MIDI compared to the lower instruments, because you're a bit more like in the blend of it. So as you build it up, you're easier to have people like actually playing it, blending and playing in tune and stuff. So then by the time you add the trumpets, they've got a solid foundation to put their parts onto. But you get Dave coming along playing like super high stuff, like fortissimo over MIDI. It was just like, like he could, he couldn't, la- he had nothing to latch onto, basically. So I said, come back at the end, <laughs> um, and and it was yeah. So then we had all the trombones, and then the trumpets went, and then and then Dave came back in and put his solos on, and so he had a whole like ensemble to to improvise over, and it was just better for that. The cherry goes on the. Cake I didn't really last. do that order before. Saying sorry, I just said the cherry goes on the top of the cake last, doesn't it? Yeah. Basically, and I, I, I didn't adhere to that order as much earlier in the year and probably took time having to rectify that. But knowing I wanted to, I definitely like to approach things as like naturally as possible. Like I don't really want to use any pitch correction or, or um, rhythmic flex or anything like that. Hmm. It's, it's, 
it just adds time to your edit. It is quicker to get someone to do it again correctly. <laughs> like, so in the session, just do it again, just doing it correctly. Like, and then, and then people, people do, but like, I think before I, earlier in the year, I was probably a bit more excited about all the wonderful wizardry and gadgetry of logic and that I could change things that like, I might just go, cheers mate. Yep. See you later. And then mm. I'd be left with the tidy up operation. And it, it wasn't a great deal, but it was certainly, su- I did some tidying up more yeah. in those than I did in the, in these ones. Um, and I guess like, earlier in the year, obviously we got all the recording done before pandemic started so people would have had things to do with their day and it would have been harder to juggle whereas with this lot you know oh dave dave hopkins has not... seven hours you if you if you uh, you want him to <laughs> <laughs> and i didn't want him to <laughs> but he's got seven hours for you no i've got nowhere to be mate i'll just do some more solos <laughs> but if i do 58 top a's <laughs> Oh. Unfortunately, he was unavailable for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the one day. <laughs> I wanted to get him on to talk about his, uh, his soloing at the end, but I thought what we could do when uh, I think he's got to do some uh, quite complicated uh, tax form or something at the moment. Um, but once he's done that today, maybe Chris or Dickie, we could have a quick um, quick cameo from Dave. We could call him up. Yeah. Seven yeah, hour bonus yeah. episode. Um, yeah, you could do a mini episode. You could do like a, a 15, 20 minute episode of just about his solos and putting the cherry, putting the cherry each, on top. Each solo <laughs> down with Dave Hopkins. Yeah. Dave's cherry. Yeah. That'll be his book. That's well, his autobiography. This but, one, yeah. compared to the others, is also loud. <laughs> <laughs> this one is a glazed cherry. <laughs> this one is that I previously soaked in brandy. <laughs> and um, here's my maraschino. <laughs> and this one's been dipped in Dave's gravy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, no, that'd be great. Yeah. Here is Dave Hopkins to talk about how how he sort of went around recording his parts for American Boy. Hi, Dave. Hi, Chris. How's it going? Good. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Just uh, fresh from laying some wooden floors, uh, ripping up carpets, laying wooden floors, and. Uh, generally making lots of noise. <laughs> nice. American boy, David. We had a solo at the end of this one as well, yes. didn't we? Yes. Yes. What was your approach to this one? Was this another one you sort of worked out when you went away, went away to from your record, original recording business yeah. and sort of laid one down for this as well, sort of worked one out? Yeah. Well, we've, we've, pl- we've played this um, quite a lot live. Um so I've already had an idea of what I wanted to do, really. Um, but actually, when we play it live, it's only eight, an eight-bar solo. But when we recorded it, it was a 16-bar solo. So I had to come up with a bit more, you know, a bit more material, obviously, and yeah. yeah, sort of a bit more of a journey through the solo as well. Uh, so I decided to do the first half of the solo in a lower octave, get out some sort of uh, jazzy licks, nice. and then... Uh, seamlessly slip up the octave for the uh, second half of the solo. Oh. And um, yeah, this is a, a similar approach to the, to the hideaway solo. I went away and really, and really listened to it and structured the solo along to one of Barney's rough mixes. And yeah, I basically had a, a solo written and then a play through it. I think this one basically, I think I played most of the material that I'd written and then uh, Barney did change the end a bit and help me with a bit of the phrasing as well. And 
yeah, another joint effort. So yeah, it came out okay, I think. Great. And did you manage to go seamlessly up the octave? Was it was it seamless or Oh no, I did it in about hundred takes. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. But, but, you know, no one will ever know. No one will ever know. No one's going to listen to this, are they? No. Probably not. I mean, I mean, I did it in one take. Brilliant. I did that in. Brilliant. <laughs> one take. <laughs> yeah. Sounds great. It sounds great. Um, seems to be our thing now, isn't it? Just just stick a Dave Hopkins solo at the end. It'll be fine. No uh, no need to panic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Well, I re- yeah, I'm really enjoying the sort of um, free reign uh, yeah, stick solo on you and say, always nice. Always nice. Any 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 nice. influences for this one, or is it the same um, guy from Hideaway? Uh, influences for this one. Um, well, I guess I don't, I don't really know. Actually, I, th- I think I sort of stuck to my own guns for this one. I don't think I really listened to any other influences. Uh, I mean, there's always influences stuck in the back of your head, aren't there? So yeah. Um, I had quite a lot of sort of Mark Ronson type vibes going on, I think. Mm. Uh, you know, that sort of poppy, just poppy trumpet solo yeah. type thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, quite a few of those on that album. <laughs> Sorry, you know, not, not much to add there. <laughs> no, uh, no, 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 but it's fine. It's, <laughs> I thought cool. about that before. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 but like, yeah, you've sort of, yeah, I think you can't always be mega legend trumpet players that you're calling upon. Sometimes there's just certain... Trumpet, trumpet sort of solos that you hear from other tracks and stuff and you think, oh yeah, I quite like the vibe of that. Maybe try that sort of thing mm. in this track and whatnot. Is that, that, that's, that's about right, isn't it? Because that album, Mark Ronson had quite a lot of horns going on, didn't he? So there's quite a lot of trumpet solos yeah. laced here and there among, among certain tracks. Yeah. So, you know, your, your reference point is for, it's a good reference point for those that aren't too down with all the brass brass playing legends and stuff like that's a good a good reference to put isn't it if you think right mark rodson probably all heard that Fair enough. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly exactly speaking of uh pop trumpet playing and stuff i i actually uh funnily enough played american boy live with estelle about <gasps> 12 years ago uh, how could you keep this quiet david um well, and uh, <laughs> it was, I mean, it was, a, it was a big gig. It was the uh, grand opening of um, Westfield Shopping Centre in Shepherd's Bush. <laughs> and uh, <Yes. laughs> I think I was booked, I think they booked, you know, they booked like a scratch orchestra um, to, to just sit there and and Estelle came on. I remember Lamar came on and sung his big hit at the time as well. Amazing. And uh, I actually think... Um, I think I was actually tacit for our American boy, but uh, I was—I shared a stage with her while she sung it. <laughs> let's just uh, let's just say that. Great, and I assume it's kind of—it's kind of cool, isn't it? I mean, I, yeah. I, I assume Kanye West Relevant. was there as well, right? Um, Kanye clearly, West. clearly, Kanye West would show no, up to the opening couldn't... of Westfield Shopping Centre. Mon- right? I think he was—I think it was a Monday he was teaching. Oh. <laughs> right, because he teaches in the room next door to you, doesn't he? He does, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that's quite incredible. And then, lo and behold, twelve years later, we're Are recording her track. That's yeah. it. Finally, <laughs> it's the version she's always wanted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, big time, mate. That's a great story. Mm. God, is that like twelve years ago? Suppose, well, I had yeah. to Google that because I was like, oh, it must have been about ten years ago. And then I had to look on uh, when the when Westfield Shopping Centre opened in two thousand eight. So, <laughs> yeah. 
Crikey. Oh, the good days. Time. Good the, days. Good, the days when we could leave the house to go to shopping centres. Isn't oh, that yeah. nice? Mate, that is a great fact. That is a wonderful fact. Probably a good place, a good bombshell to uh, wrap this little section up and dive back into the podcast. Dave, thanks for thanks for joining us again on on your day off. And lovely uh, to see you. Hopefully, we will speak to you very soon. <laughs> thanks, mate. Bye bye. See you. Bye. Well, I guess that sort of sort of seems into like this sort of takes us into what because this is probably the last format. This is the last one we'll do in this kind of format, I guess, isn't it, Seb? We've sort of yeah. been thinking about sort of going off going off in a different direction because, you know, we're very lucky in this band that, you know, to make the band work and be busy and be out there, we are very fortunate to be surrounded by lots of lovely people that come and stand in for us when we, when, you know, certain players can't do the gigs that are offered to them. They're off doing other work. And so we have a lovely, wonderful group of interesting uh, ladies and gentlemen that can come and step in and play all the parts for us. And we spent, you know, all our time over the last eight years finding the the ones that are a lovely fit. And, you know, most of them are all, you know, you know 99.9% are all a lovely fit. But, you know, we've just got people who have been from the very beginning who are sort of still coming in with us and other people who have sort of popped up and helped us out in our time of need and have sort of, you thought, well, oh, yeah, that's, you know, they've got they've got what we need there and they come and, you know, we've got a lovely team now that we work with. And so we're sort of thinking maybe we'll start uh, sort of getting some of the, the depths in to come and talk about their experiences and just chat about what they do away from the Brastards and, uh, yeah, sort of, sort of, you know, expand. And we've got, you know, luckily we've got quite a nice deep pool to, uh, to call upon to help with all these episodes. Haven't we, Seb? Yeah. Yeah. Loads of people. Watch this space, uh, listeners. Mm. That's sort of where we're heading. Thank you very much for listening to episode number 11. I hope you're all having a lovely start to 2021. Remember to subscribe to this and watch out for when we uh, come up with our next our next format. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Bye. 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 <laughs> Bye. Bye.